It's amazing how a song can have such impact on you to absolutely wreck you. And every time I hear that song, that song just absolutely wrecks me because it really makes me think about how great he is. It makes me think about what he spared me from. It makes me think about how good he's been to me. And it makes me remember that it's not over yet. He still has a lot to do and he is still doing it in the midst of all of us. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. If you will, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter six. And as you're t- turning there, I wanna share with you about the amazing week that we've had. Over the week, we had the opportunity to serve some of our teacher's kids in pre-planning camp. And I mean, everybody thinks, well, that's babysitting. Yeah, in a way it was babysitting, but at the same time this week, we got to love on 63 teachers through 63 kids. Well, probably not 63 teachers, but definitely every bit of 63 kids. And every single one of them, majority of them, are grade two and below. Have you ever dealt with that many kids at one point in time? It is a lot to deal with. When we were at Vogel, I had eagle-eyed Jerry on the catwalk up there. He was my David Hasselhoff. (laughs) It wasn't Baywatch, but it was Vogel watch. (laughs) He didn't wear a Speedo and he didn't run. He didn't do the running, but... But, I, but at the same time, we got to love on those kids, had a great opportunity. And you know what? Those kids every day this week have heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am so thankful for that opportunity to be a part of that. Yesterday, we also had the opportunity to be a part of the Backpack to School Bash. A lot of y'all were influential in this by bringing so many erasers over the last couple of weeks. What was it? Right at 4,000 erasers were brought. That's a lot of erasers. I, ne- I didn't need erasers because I didn't use pencils much, I'll be honest with you. The only time I used a pencil is when I figured out they could stick in the tile ceiling above. Maybe I shouldn't have said that in front of some of you kids, but that was the only time I really used a pencil. Um, but at the same time, we got the opportunity to love on over 400 kids yesterday by cooking 784 hot dogs. That's a lot of dead pigs. And chickens, because some of them were chicken. But while that was going on, we actually had another small group. And I want to say thank you first. I want to say thank you to everybody who helped at Vogel. Thank you to my small group for assisting yesterday and Miss Dana for coming out and helping us as well. But we had another small group that started this thing last year with offering free haircuts for kids as they go back to school. Heather uh, Damport was gracious enough to open up her salon and all of her um, stylists come in. And last year, last year they did 70 haircuts. And I think last year we did four hours, five, three hours, somewhere around that. Yesterday was kind of constrained a little bit more. It was from 11 to one, but from 11 to one, they did 130 haircuts. It got so out of control that Joey had to call the cops not to arrest people. (laughs) We didn't do that. But Joey had to call the cops at the end to run traffic control because it became a madhouse in town. We have had a great opportunity to love on our kids, to love on our community. And you know what gets me is some people would look at me and say, why do you do it? Why do you do it? 
You know, that's a good question. Why do we do the things we do as a church? Why are we even here this morning? And I want you to know something. There are three reasons for me of why I do what I do. The first reason is Jesus loved me and I love him. That is the reason I do what I do. But the second reason I do what I do is because Jesus loved people. And because Jesus loved people, I do my best to love people as well. You know, Jesus loved everybody in the world so much that he came and bore the sin that they have committed so that they could have the opportunity to have the freedom from sin in their life. That's a love which I cannot describe. And that's why I say I try to love people like Jesus. But the third reason we do what we do is because whether we realize it or not, whether we really think about it or not, we're at war. We are at war every single day of our life. And I know over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this whole series of knowing God and who God is. And sometimes to really know somebody, you've got to transition over and see what their thoughts are about thing, things. But even with today, we are looking at it from a different perspective because we're looking at who is the enemy. All of us have had enemies in our life. Am I wrong? I've had a number of enemies in my life. I've had a number of people come against me before I was a believer, after I was a believer, and even after I become a pastor. And this war that we are involved in is raging today like never before. I, I know, I know with all my heart, everybody talks about, well, it's got to be closer to the end. I'm not saying that it is closer to the end. I'm not saying that it isn't closer to the end. But I want to make this point very clear. It can and it will get a lot worse. We have not even begun to see the depths of depravity that a man can go to when they are in a darkened, wicked state of mind. So today we're going to look at a different perspective. We're going to look at our enemy, God's enemy. Y'all know him as Satan. You know him as Lucifer. You know him as the devil. And today we're going to look at a couple of different sections. I want to point out four things to you about Satan that I believe every believer should know. But I also want to have a real talk with you about how we should respond to an enemy such as this. So if you have your Bible with me, with you, please turn to Ephesians 6. We're going to be reading just verses 10 through 12. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggles is not against flesh and blood. You might want to underline that. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but rulers, against the powers, 
against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Pray with me. Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word, but I also want to thank you for this opportunity just to kind of act as a reminder of not only who our enemy is, but also why we do what we do. Father, I pray that through your word this morning that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart and mind to understand what it is that your word has for us as believers today. But I also pray, Lord, that you would use it to transform our hearts and our thoughts, our mind towards people, our compassion towards those who are living in darkness and in wickedness. And help us, Lord, to see people the same way you see them. Father, again, I thank you for this opportunity that we have to worship you through our prayer, through our praise, and now through the proclamation of your word. Father, be with us. Speak to us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Satan is a very, very real being. And a lot of people will say, well, there's not a lot of scripture really dealing with Satan, where he come from. And whenever I hear that, I've, I've got to ask, are you even reading the Bible? Because I'm only going to use two scriptures today to give you a little bit of insight to who Satan is, Isaiah 14 and Revelation 12. But the whole word of God speaks a lot to the topic of Satan, devil, Lucifer, adversary, Abaddon, whatever you want to call him. There are many things in God's word about Satan. But I think that there are four things that every believer really needs to understand about Satan. And some of those things, they'll be on the board. You can write them down. They'll be on the wall behind me. But some of these things come to us, to us from Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15. And this is what Isaiah writes. How you have fallen from heaven, you star of the morning, son of dawn. You have been cut down to earth, you who defeated the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will make myself like the most high. <clears throat> Nevertheless, you, and this is talking to the fallen star, will be brought down to show to the recesses of the pit. The first thing that every believer needs to really understand about Satan is Satan was at one time, present with God in heaven. Ezekiel chapter 28 gives us a lot of details about how he was one of the most high cherub that worshiped God on a daily basis, that was there in his presence, that knew God, that saw God. But something inside of him, just like something inside of us, took hold and pride started bullying up. 
When this pride boiled up, not only, not only, and you'll see this in Revelation too, not only did he take himself out, but he also took out a third of the heavenly host with him. So Satan and his angels or demons, and I know we're in a Baptist church, we don't talk a lot about demons, but they're real. We battle them daily. They were cast down to this earth. They're angels. They have power. And you do not need to minimize that. But the second thing we need to understand about Satan is that while a lot of people have this mindset of thinking that he is the ruler of hell, you need to understand this. Because right there in Isaiah, it says that he is not the ruler of hell. It says that he will be cast down to hell. And he is actually the first occupant. He won't rule. He won't reign. He will suffer in torment just like everyone else who does not believe in the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, with that thought in mind, you need to understand this. That even though that time has not come for him to be cast into the abyss, to be cast into the lake of fire, he is defeated. Listen to me on this. Satan is defeated. His power is limited. A lot of people, and again, I'm telling you, he's a powerful person, but one thing you need to realize is that Satan only has the power that you allow him to have. We are victorious. We are risen with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will be risen again. And we have the power over darkness. We have the power over wickedness. We have the power over death, sin, and the grave. He is defeated. So the only power he has in your life is what you give him. Think about that for a minute. Revelation 12 goes into this a little bit more, talking about how all of it transgressed. And a lot of people look at Revelation 12 and they say, well, is that things to come or is that things to happen? I'll be honest with you, I think it's a little bit of both. I'll be honest with you, when I read this, I think this is a little bit of past, present, and future. And this is what Revelation 12, verse 12 uh, verses 10 through, 7 through 10 say. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his war angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. And they did not prevail. And there was no longer a place found in heaven for them. And the great dragon was thrown down. The serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down and the one who accuses them before God both day and night. One thing that we're seeing in this is we are seeing who is really 
God's enemy. And I know Paul said that even we were once enemies with God. But you need to understand when he said that, he was talking about we were only enemies with God because we were on Satan's side. But when it comes down to it, as long as there's breath in our lungs, there is an opportunity for a person to come to know Christ and to be forgiven. So with that being said, how many enemies do we really have? I don't know. Well, somebody, some people say, well, his angels, yeah. But who do they work for? We have one enemy. One enemy. And his heart, his desire, his passion is to do nothing but to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know what? He's really good at it. He is extremely good at it. But at the same time, we've got to remember, he is defeated. But there's something else there at the end. And this has always stuck with me. Me and Aaron have talked about this constantly. Because this is a point that I don't think a lot of people really get. When it says that he is the accuser of the brothers and sisters and he accuses them before God day and night. As we start in our walk as being a believer in Christ, can we just all agree that it is tough to be a Christian in today's time? Is it not? I mean, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. I thought being a dad was hard now. Being a husband, that's not hard. Being a devout believer in a time of darkness and wickedness is extremely hard. It is the struggle that we deal with on a daily basis. But it says he is the accuser. Do you think that means he's bringing the sins before God, saying, God, he did this, God, he did that? In a way, yes, but I think it means a lot more to it. Because when it comes to being a Christian, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times in my daily life that a small voice will come in my head and will say, you can't do this. You can't live a perfect life. You can't be a Christian. Do you remember what you did back in 1999? Do you really think people are going to listen to you after they know the reputation that you had in this town or your town? Do you really think that God can use you? Do you really think that you can have an influence on this community, on this church, on these people for the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing everything in your past? That's just a little insight into my brain. But I know a reality that it's an insight into your brain as well. Because on a constant daily basis, you are being whispered lies. You're being whispered accusations. You're being whispered all these things in your ear. And you know why? Because Satan wants you to stop. Lucifer wants you to stop. Lucifer wants you to quit. And why does he want you to quit? 
Because whether you believe it or not, whether you realize it or not, or whether you've embraced it or not, you are a threat to his plan. You ever have those weeks where it feels like Satan's a little bit closer than any other week? I'm not going to lie to you. Last two weeks has been that way with me. With vacation Bible school. With pre-planning camp. With the backpack to school bash, with the haircuts, with everything. And then going on with what's coming up over the next couple of weeks as well. It just feels, feels like an onslaught of attacks left and right. And there are times that I, I even say to myself, is it worth it? Is it worth it to be a part of this just to get hammered day in and day out? But I want to remind you of where that hammering is coming from. Because God's not telling you, you can't do this. God's not telling you, you can't handle this. God's not telling you, I remember what you did. Those things aren't coming from God because your sin, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your sin has been cast as far as the east is from the west. Your sin is removed just as the lowest of lows to the highest of highs. It's thrown into the sea and it is never brought back up by God. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ paid the debt for that sin. He's not bringing it back up to you. So who is? Because see, these little voices have a goal. And the goal can be seen very clearly in Ephesians chapter six. When we look at Ephesians chapter six, we read there about this war that we're in. It says, for our struggles is not against flesh and blood. Remember that. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So I don't care what political figure, I don't care what individual that is giving you a hard time in your neighborhood, I don't care about that lady who keeps hitting you in the back of the hills at Walmart, they are not your enemy. They feel like it, it's real, they oppose you, but they are not your enemy. He goes on to say, but our struggles are against rulers, are against powers, and against the world forces of darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness. And a lot of times we'll look at this and we'll say, well, that's talking about four things. No, it's not. It's talking about one. It's talking about one. They're just attributes to who it's talking about. Even Jesus said that Satan is the present ruler of this world in John chapter 12. He is the one who has a lot of influence right now. But we've got to remember there'll be a day that that influence will be crushed completely. It also is referring to his demonic forces. But there's two words in this. Two words in this that I want to spend a little bit of time with. I'm going to ask for some grace. I really tweak my back, and when my back starts going into spasms, the only thing I do is sit down. So give me some grace, guys. Let's talk about darkness for a minute. 
What do you think Paul is talking about? About to have another back problem, ain't I? What do you think Paul is talking about when he's talking about darkness? Come on, somebody give me some answers. What's he talking about? Ma'am? Absence of light. But what is the absence of light? Absence of God. But there's something very specific that Paul is talking about here. When you are in darkness, what is the one thing that you can't do? Can't see. So absence or in darkness, when he's referring to darkness, he is talking about unknowing people. He is talking about people with no understanding. He is talking about people who, and I know it's hard for us, people who just don't know no better. And listen, you're hearing this from a guy who has zero tolerance for stupidity. Zero. But one thing that I've learned in my older age is there is a difference between stupidity and ignorance. What's the difference? A stupid person, sorry for saying it, parents, don't get mad. It's, the, it's in Webster, okay? A stupid individual knows better but still continues in doing it. An ignorant person, what's the difference? They don't know any better. Satan, one of his main tactics is keeping people from knowing any better. And this is where that tactic of quietening you down comes in. Because see, you have the truth. And we're going to get into this a little bit more next week about how we combat in this war. But this is why Satan desires for you to stay silent. Because from your voice can come the gospel. And from the gospel brings the power of salvation of which all of us believe. This is huge. And a lot of people say, well, why is this world in the shape that it's in? And I have to ask, as a believer, as a pastor, as a church member, have we been too quiet? Have we been too quiet? Well, no, Scotty, I've tried to correct my neighbors a lot of time. Well, no, Scotty, I've tried to correct. I'm not talking about correcting people. I'm talking about the gospel. Because see, if you just correct somebody and you clean them up, you've just got a very clean individual who's still going to hell. But if you give somebody the gospel and they receive Christ as Lord and Savior, then God does a transformational work on the inside of them that not only will have some correction in their behavior, but it will also have an implication on their eternity. This is a heart transformation that we want to see. And you know what? Satan does not want people to come to this. And I've got a theory of why that is. I think deep down inside, Satan knows 
the harsh punishment that is really coming to him. And the reason I believe this is because he knows the Bible better than any pastor. He knows God. But miserable people do not want to be alone. He doesn't want to be alone in hell. He wants to take as many people with him. How many of y'all got the opportunity to see Jesus' revolution? Have y'all seen it? You seen it? What'd you think about it? It was good. It was good. I loved the story. I'd actually read the biography about uh, Lonnie Frisbee, and I know, guys, there's things that I don't disagree, that I don't agree with with Lonnie Frisbee. Um, read a lot of things by Chuck Smith. Chuck Smith, great individual. And I know there were certain movements that were started out of this. But there's a time in that movie where Chuck Smith is introduced to Lonnie Frisbee, who was brought to his house by his daughter. And they start this dialogue and this conversation about the difference between the hippies and the church people. Are there many differences? Oh, heck yeah, there's a lot of differences. There's a lot of differences. But there's one thing that he said in that movie that really stuck out to me. And he said, what people fail to understand is when people do bad things, whether it be drugs, premarital sex, all these things that get involved in the world, we forget that people are looking for something. They're looking for satisfaction. They're looking for love. They're looking for a feeling of belonging. They're looking for God. The only problem is they're looking in all the wrong places. Why? They're in darkness. They're in darkness. And they don't know no better. Every single one of us have been foolish in our lives. There ain't one saint in here who has lived a perfect, sinless life. And I guarantee you, at some point in your life, somebody has said, I cannot believe he did that. Or what kind of person is that? Or somebody's even told their kids not to be around you. But what happened to you? The truth is, the gospel changed you. But what we don't see a lot of times in this is it talks about darkness and wickedness. You know where wickedness comes about? Say again. You can't see. So you continue doing things. So wickedness is actually a result of darkness. When we live in darkness, when we don't know no better, wicked things come about. If you leave two kids by themselves for a long period of time, they're going to come up with some pretty wicked things. If you don't blame me, I'll, if you don't believe me, I'll let you take the boys home with you. <laughs> well, actually, they got to go to Nana and G. Paul's. Nana and G. Paul's going to see some wicked things in a little bit. You know what? I never had to train them to hit each other. Never. 
Never had to do that. I never had to train them to wrestle. Yeah, they went to Connor's little wrestling events and, and it was so cute because they were getting in the floor, they were squaring up, they were doing all these wrestling moves. But I didn't have to teach them a suplex. They learned that on their own. I didn't have to teach them to lie. And I know a lot of people say, well, what are you saying? Your house is a dark place? No, I'm not saying my house is a dark place. What I'm saying is, they are in a time of darkness right now. And the reason they're in a time of darkness right now is because they don't have a full understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done for them. But you know what they do have right now? They got a lot of questions. And I absolutely love it. It excites me. It excited me at VBS because, again, had to go through a lot of questions. And I am fully trusting God to do what only he can do in their life. And I know that one day they're going to be enlightened to who God is. And I know one day they're going to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I know that God is going to use them for his purpose and for his glory. And you know what? I can't wait. Do you have that same passion for your kids? You? Well, yours are all, yours are on the other side. You got grandkids coming soon. Not now. Slow down. <laughs> but you'll have that same passion for your grandkids. Just like Peggy has that passion for her grandkids. You know the reality? Every kid, every grandkid is somebody else's grandkid and somebody else's kid. And you know what? I often question myself why I do not have the same desire for people to come to Christ that I have for my boys to come to Christ. Sometimes I have to ask myself, am I still living in a state of darkness? Sometimes I have to ask myself, is my heart broken enough for the lost and dying world that I'm even willing to talk to individuals? And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I even have to ask myself a really tough question. And that question is, Scotty, whose team are you on? Ask yourself that question right now. Whose team am I on? Because one of the other things that we really need to understand when it comes to God and Satan, that there is no middle road. You're either serving God or you're serving Satan. There is no in the middle. You are the truly sold out to God or you're serving him. There is no half-hearted Christians. There is only fully committed believers. But even I struggle with that. So ask yourself this morning, whose team am I on? Next week, we're going to talk a lot about how we continue in this battle. A lot. But this morning, I want to do a little bit of a different invitation.
And this invitation is going to grill us. Because in this invitation, I want, to, I want you to ask yourself three questions. The first question, do I care? Do I care that people will die today? Every second, two people die. Do I care? Do I care where they spend eternity? And I'm going to be honest with you. If you don't care, there's a bigger problem. Second question. What can I do? What can I do? You already know the why you're doing it. But the what is what really gets us into action. What can I do? I've got this in my past. I've done this. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking what you can do. And I know some of you say, Scotty, you do not know who I was. Do you know that there is a man in the Bible who is personally guilty, personally guilty, for killing Christians. He chased after them. He actually held the coats of some men as they stoned the first deacon. He may have been a pastor. But he did all these things. And you know what? You would look at this individual and you would say, there is no way God could use him. But you know what God used him to do? Write almost all of the New Testament. Wow. Can anybody beat that? Can anybody be, beat personally being responsible for killing Christians? Then I think God can use you. What can I do? And then the last question, whose team am I on? As they come forward to sing, this is what I want you to wrestle with. And I really want you to wrestle with this hard because you're either struggling with this or you're struggling with the darkness, with the wickedness. What are you struggling with this morning? Father, we do have a real life enemy who desires nothing more than to destroy every single one of us, all of our family, all of our friends, everybody we know. But at the same time, Lord, I'm reminded that we also have a Savior who's come on His own to die for our sins so that we could have victory over death, over the grave, and over everything that this world can throw at us. Father, help us to realize the severity, the need, the demand of the gospel in our lives on a daily basis. But also, Lord, help us to care. Help us to have compassion and empathy for people who are lost and dying apart from you. Help us to ask those hard questions of ourselves about what can we do to get the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. But also, Lord, help us to ask the real hard question.
of whose team we're really on anyway. Because, Father, there's only two people to serve. And, Father, my desire is to serve you every day of my life. Father, allow your Holy Spirit to do what only it can in your people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.